Welcome back to another week of Beanie and Cardell, Cardell and Beanie, brought to you by our lovely, lovely partners, Raising Canes. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. This is the perfect, I, I, I always hate when we say tailgate food, or whatever, because it's the perfect anytime food. Um, I think this thing was full about like 25 tenders to start. <laughs> about but 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't down about six or seven of them. Had a whole caniac grab you for the show. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, you got to love it, man. Fresh, never frozen. Like you said, it's not just tailgate food. It can be dinner. It can be lunch. It can be your comfort food. Yeah, 100%. It can be your comfort food. So Kings is always my go-to, definitely. You got to love that, you know, during normal times, they open to about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's what I used to love, man. So so you can never <laughs> go wrong with that. And you you know no matter what time of the night, usually you got a meal in Kings. hundred percent. Gotta love that. Raising Kings, yeah. the place to be. Um and here we are, a couple of days away from this game. Yeah. It, it's it's came very one thing, it's came so quick, and obviously we know it hasn't been that long. But when I was playing, dude, our bowl break used to be like a month. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like a, literally a month, month and a week or something like that. It was like the longest stretch that you could possibly have. And we didn't have Big Ten championship games at this oh, point yeah. in time. So you was a week shorter yeah. on top of still playing. Well, you were going to play two national titles, so still playing after the new year. Yeah, so we're playing. So dig this. So we would play before Thanksgiving. We would play Michigan. Yep. And then we would be off until a lot of the times either just before New Year's or the New Year. So yep. you're talking about a, a month and, and some time. Uh, to prepare for a team was the longest uh, bowl practices that transpired. Oh it's like, dude, guys were getting hurt during bowl practice because you're oh, practicing sure. way too damn long. Yeah, for sure. And I remember during the BCS era when um, that was one of the main concerns as leading up to – so, for example, we, if this was BCS era and we was leading up to the national championship game right now, that was the talk of the media is, are these guys going to be fresh? They haven't played right. versus a team that plays a conference championship versus a team that don't play a conference mm-hmm. championship. How fresh are these guys going to be and this and that and this and that. But, yeah, I mean, it's still long to me during <laughs> normal times. Looking back when I played in the Sugar Bowl and we got done in the Big Ten championship game, I think we still had two and a half weeks off. You know, so um, we we treated it almost like camp. Right. We we ramped it up in the beginning, and then we tapered down as time to get closer and closer to get on the plane and go down to New Orleans. But I, I do remember, you know, years before that, a year or two before that, guys were dropping like flies uh-huh. in bowl game <laughs> practice because it's just a long period to wait to get ready and play again. Speak to how it was during that process. Obviously, you went to the national championship, but you coming off the, the Big Ten championship game and then going – to the Sugar Bowl and then to the national championship. What was that preparation like for you guys uh, during that time? Was it, cause, I mean, that was the first ever college football playoff you guys won. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was crazy because, like I said, we ramped it up so, so fast out of nowhere as if we were the first day at Camp Pass. That's what it felt like. That came out humming. And, yeah, we came out humming <laughs> with a less contact versus each other, but we still had to stay in good shape. So mm-hmm. we did a lot of things as far as conditioning that still made it fun. Like we used to call this game Buckeye Ball, where, you know, you should divide the team up into skill positions and we go against each other kind of in a football, no pass, a football kind of like – Backyard football, dino man right. type of environment, but on teams, <laughs> and you running the whole time, but you're throwing the ball, you're competing. So you're getting your condition, you're getting your cardio in, mm-hmm. but you're not taking that ground and pound. It's not traditional conditioning with gashers and hundreds and 40s and all that stuff. So that made it fun. But um, like I said, we ramped it up and then tapered down and got closer to game day. And then um, I know after the, big, after the Sugar Bowl was the national championship game, and then I think it was maybe – 
nine days in between there, and we treat that like a traditional game week. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that, uh, you know, obviously with this time off and some of what we did see this season and some of what we were yearning more of uh, as far as, you know, on the offensive standpoint, whether there's big plays or whether it's running the ball more, do you think Ryan Day during this time has put in something different? Um, it's, I mean, Obviously, it's kind of a fine line because you don't want to go and change your entire offense or change what you do, but you also got to, you know, throw in some wrinkles there for another team. Oh, for sure. And I was talking to a former player actually yesterday, and I'm not going to mention him, but years back when they played against Clemson and all the things that, you know, their coaching staff did to change it up to try to not necessarily exploit them, but but feeling like they were going to uh, exploit us mm-hmm. in a way. And um, and that, that didn't turn out the way that we as fans and him as a player wanted it to turn out. And he felt like, you know, the coaches went away from our bread and butter to try to capitalize, to try to out pretty much out-coach right. himself first. So I don't think Ryan Day is going to put himself in that position mm-hmm. to do that, especially when they only play six games. They still got a lot of things that they was working on already. Right. And I think they just go to their bread and butter and um, – you know, and, and go from there because they they good is good enough to beat this team and, and go into national championship. Yeah, but I'm, I'm interested to see what would come out like. Obviously, the last time we saw Ohio State on the football field, um, we looked great running the football. I mean, yeah. uh, Trey Sermon, we obviously know we did goes out and beats uh, the great Eddie George's rushing record for a yeah. single game. But you know, we were left wanting more out of the pass game, and you know, quite frankly, we can sit here and say Northwest Northwestern was a pretty solid defense. Um, especially stopping a run, um, and, and decent. They looked. It made us look very bad passing the football. Yeah. So I, I, my question to you is, what do you think we look like out the gate versus Clemson passing a rock? Do you think Justin Fields is going to come out trying to take the top off this defense? Um, that's a good question. I think yes. Mm-hmm. I think yes because you know they got Chris Olave back and they definitely missed him and you saw that during the uh, Big Ten championship game and and a, and a few other things that just wasn't clicking because he was kind of thrown to new guys new guys that he didn't have he didn't have many reps with already right. only playing six games um I think they come out try to get those guys in the rhythm because Chris hasn't played to that point would be in almost a month mm-hmm. you know and try to get him in rhythm try to get the ball in his hands as much as possible and then let everything else feed off that yeah I mean I can't wait man and. and I, one of the things I, I pray to God doesn't happen is that I hope none of our players get COVID again. We had enough of the COVID already. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I wonder if they got them kind of in some type of bubble or something like that. I mean, that would be hard, obviously, with the holidays and all of that. Um, but, hell, I mean, this is like the biggest game of the year. Yeah. Because if you don't get past this, you got no shot at the national championship. So, I would think they would got him in some type of bubble atmosphere. For sure. Uh, for sure. I mean, I would anticipate that as well, and I would anticipate, you know, the coaches stressing and, and bringing home the fact of team first and, hey, guys, if this is what we need to do to make that – we have to sacrifice this to, to make sure we able to play, you know, on January 1, then that's what you got to do. Right. I mean, football is ultimate team sport, and, you know, if, if being in a bubble or being away from family or couldn't spend Christmas or whatever it may have been with your family and, and, and really isolating yourself so you – don't put your team at mm-hmm. risk, then that's what you got to do, man. You got to sacrifice. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And you can speak to it because you got a chance to do it. Being a national champion and having that label with you forever is something that I would imagine is kind of like, you know, breathtaking and it's worth the sacrifice, right? For sure, I mean, for sure. I mean, you look back after you get to the ultimate goal of whatever sport it is, you, you went on the highest level, mm-hmm. and what you really – appreciate is the journey right 
and the sacrifice and everything, it becomes worth it. Mm-hmm. Not saying if you don't reach that, you will look back and say it wasn't worth it because it is because you had a chance to do that. Right. But, yeah, you're looking back on it, and I say this a million times, man, I, I enjoy pretty much the journey and the, and the road to the national championship just as much as winning it. Right. So, yeah, man, that's what we'll I, see. I hope to hopefully these guys get it, man, and you understand that, hell, I mean, it's hard because you, you're dealing with a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old, 21-year-old kids, and you know they want to go out, do yeah. the thing. And obviously it's not a lot going on already, and you already kind of been restricted all season long. So when you, you get that opportunity to get out and let your hair down a little bit, you want to – you know, try to do it, but wait at the national championship. Right, game, guys. exactly. Wait after the game. After the national it's championship, it's a, a better feeling after the game. <laughs> go out and do whatever you want to do. Wet your whistle. Get. I mean, have fun at that yeah, point in time. It, enjoy but, it. But you know, win a national championship. No, no, just be able to play in the games first and foremost. Um, but dissecting this game, um, biggest area of concern when we look at the Clemson defense. What, what do you think they can attack Ohio State at, and uh, kind of really limit our offense? Because we know what they're going to be able to do on offense, even with their quarterback and the receivers. For sure. I mean, Clemson is notoriously notoriously known to have a really good front seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and last year they had a little outlier with uh, A.J. Terrell, I think the cornerback name was, who went on to get drafted to the Atlanta Falcons and is doing uh, pretty well there. But um, they're known to have that really good front seven who can not just stop the run but can get after the passer as well, mm-hmm. who can make their jobs for the back end a lot easier. Right. So um, that's what I kind of anticipate in them guys coming around, flying around, because, I mean, just like the concerns and, and questions and comments and uh, cr- the critics that we as Ohio State fans and players have towards the program, I'm pretty sure the Clemson, their alumni base, their fan base, and they're hearing the same things that they've been hearing about their defense as right. well all year. You know, that's kind of been a weak point of their off- a weak point of their team and, and their offense, but keeping them in a lot of games and just outscoring teams. So – They'd be up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at both teams, and I and I definitely say both um, strengths of the teams, both offenses, and everything going through both quarterbacks with 100%. Lawrence and Justin. Um, so I think both defenses is going to say, "Hey, wait a minute now, we <laughs> we got us here as well." So I definitely anticipate uh, a, a lot of good things from both defenses. Ironically, so yeah, we'll man, see. I, I hope so. I certainly hope, especially with our defense, I hope we step up. In a major way, especially in the, in, the, in the secondary. I mean, and not even just putting it all on the secondary because I understand and I know in order for the secondary to play well, we got to get some pass rush. That's where we have to be more consistent than we've ever been this game is in the pass rush spot because Trevor Lawrence, you get that dude time, he's going to pick you apart. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. watched it happen. And then you got to watch out because his ass is fast. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, he can run. He it, can it tripped run. me out every time I see his ass take off for a 40, 50 yard run, and all you see is his hair flapping out of his helmet <laughs> and dude being sunshine. It's crazy to me, man. Yeah, yeah. He is, um, I definitely, his freshman year, I did not give him as much credit as a runner. Mm-hmm. But, and I've been a Trevor Lawrence fan ever since he stepped foot from, um, ever since I watched him on that, uh, on that quarterback show in high school, like, Top quarterback, whatever that show was on in high school quarterback players, he was on that, and he made a comment, man, as a young player that it it, I became an instant fan as a kid. He said he's he knows he's more than a football player. You know, football doesn't define him. Mm-hmm. He's just top ranked athlete in the freaking country. Can go anywhere he want. Can do anything he want to do on a football field. And he knows that don't define him. Right. You know, his family, his faith is the most important thing to him. And when you see a young guy who gets it 
that early, mm-hmm. you can tell football is just fun to him. It's right. not, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves, like, oh, we got to succeed, we got to be this, we got to be that, we got to have all these accolades, mm-hmm. and we can have a chance to play in the NFL and all this other stuff. Man, this kid is going out there and have fun. And then, you know, to see him have success as a freshman and, and, and uh, win a national championship and then last year with Ohio State. And I think I maybe caught one or two games of Clemson's last year. And then, you know, with one being the game uh, in the playoff last year when he broke off that 50, 60-yard <laughs> run. Right. I'm just like, wait a minute now. And he can run <laughs> right. like this? So uh, I, I definitely um, – he'll he have a lifelong fan in myself. And – to me, I like I've been saying, I don't mean to ramble, don't mean to ramble too much about Lawrence, but he'd been the number one pick since a freshman. Bro, I'm, I'm ready to break. I'm ready to pitch you on the spot again. <laughs> Breaking. I mean, we know who the top quarterbacks are in the country, and this is an opportunity for, to see us see both of those guys on full display. Break down the major differences that you see with Justin and Trevor, because both of them. Can throw the hell out of the ball. Both yeah. of them can run, but what's the major difference? Especially you being a quarterback, you understanding yeah. the game from a completely different lens than I do, than I could ever, because I've never been in that quarterback room. I, I think, I think Justin is surrounded with more talent, mm-hmm. and he gets away with a lot of throws and and um in some areas that I would advise, mm-hmm. you know, that can potentially catch up with you in a in a negative way, um, but still a a hell of a player, a hell of a quarterback, hell of a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you, first and foremost, you can't go wrong with either. But I think Trevor, what the games that I seen him play, he plays. He he throw guys open a little a little better than Justin. And probably just come from experience with some of the guys. And just, I mean, Trevor's a three year starter, right. and only lost one game. Justin, you know, since going to the second year into a new system, so he's still kind of fairly, in a way, young at playing the quarterback position. I mean, twelve last year, thirteen. This is played nineteen games in college, right? right? So uh, Trevor is up there in the, almost in the 40. So that's a huge difference right there in experience. Um, I think Trevor does a little bit better job of delivering the ball from the pocket because he's taller. Right. You know, can see a little better. But um, when Justin get out on the perimeter, watch out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about Trevor as a, as a great runner as well, but he, I don't think he's as good as Justin throwing the ball on the run and outside the pocket where Justin really can hurt you, you know, and when he tucked the ball, he can you know make you miss or run you over. Or, and both guys got the ability to take it to, uh, take it the the full way. So like I said, you can't go wrong with either. Um, they both got their strengths and weaknesses over another. But uh, I'm pretty sure both NFL uh, front offices and organizations are <laughs> going to be pretty excited to get either. Right, 100% agree with you. Um, you. You said something that you know stuck out to me, and I wholeheartedly believe if Clemson is going to have a best chance, their best chance at beating Ohio State is going to be to contain Justin. Keep him inside the pocket. Um, and that's going to be – Well, he can a, still hurt you. Right, he, well, absolutely. He can still hurt you, but I would rather have him in the pocket than on a, on, on a fly. Of it, exactly, because sure. when he escapes and gets time and extends the play, boy, watch yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. He's that's one of where, the best play extenders in the country. Oh, for sure, by far. And I think I think this, the game plan for – if I'm in a defensive – uh, staff room with Clemson. I'm going to do stuff of Ohio State. It's going to sound the same mm-hmm. because the first thing is going to be first is containing this quarterback on both ends of right. the ball, on both teams. So, Lawrence, I don't want to see him outside the pocket either. I want to much rather see him outside the pocket oh, for than sure. Justin. For sure, for sure. <laughs> so, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a similar game plan for both players because they're both unbelievable talents and quarterbacks and leaders, and it's all about stabilizing them. Yeah. I agree, man. If I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm Ohio State's D coordinator and, and I'm sitting there and I'm just watching film of Clemson, 
I'm immediately saying that I got to get I can't I can't just rush four guys. I'm getting pressure. I'm I sending, got to. I'm sending pressure. That's one thing I cannot do. I can't rush four guys and expect us to be able to stop this guy. That's not going to be enough. First I got to bring five, six at times, and, and we got to go from there because if you let this kid sit back in the pocket and distribute the ball and be that surgeon, which he can be, whew, first play of the game. First play of the game, I'm sitting, I'm sitting six at him, and I'm making sure we get a hit on him, we get him on the ground. I don't, I mean, clearly a clean hit. But I want to, I want to hit him. I don't care if they score. Right. Me as a quarterback, I don't care if they score. I'm sending, I'm, sh- I'm sending the message early, and I'm, I'm putting my guy, making sure he get freed up, whatever the stunts or whatever the combination may be, and we get a good hit on his mm-hmm. ass and let him know we setting the tone early. <laughs> and, then, and it reminds me, I always said, if I was a defensive coordinator, I treated just like I, when I played baseball and I was a pitcher. My first pitch of the game, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make you think I'm hurt. I'm gonna hit you with it. Right. I'm getting you off the plate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here. Let you know this ain't about to be an easy one. So uh, oh, I hate but, to get hit by a baseball, bro. But you throwing it, bro. I, I would hey, be granted, so mad. I was, I was notorious. I let that, I let that curveball. I let it, I let it get a little close to you. And hopefully, I'm throwing for a strike clearly. But my goal is to get you off the, off right. the, off the home plate a little so bit. You're thinking so, about it the entire yeah, time. Exactly. Oh, where, where is he? Is he gonna do it this time? So that's what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm a D coordinator. Any at any school, actually, I'm sending a shot at the quarterback. The first play, I'm sending a blitz. Man, I, I agree with that 100. percent Did you think about real quick? Did you think about playing baseball at Ohio State? I, I did. Coach Meyer said no. For real? Oh, yeah, he my said God. no. So now I remember our uh, 2013. We walking into the um, Big Ten championship game. We get ready to practice get versus Michigan State. And I think it's the day we got there, so we had the field in the morning. And you know, we just walking around and get a feel for the atmosphere and stuff like that. And I'm throwing the ball on my knees through the field goal poles from the other 45. Oof. Like just launching it, right? And we're playing, and then I had some guys like on the knees catching, like I was throwing a baseball, and I'm just slinging like 20 yards, like like I was a pitcher. Uh-huh. And Coach Fickle pulled me to the side, and we you're getting ready to play. You know, next day is a big tension. He's like, I guess why I want you to meet tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, and when we get back to school, and it was the boys, it was the baseball coaches because they started to practice in the off season because we just finishing up. And um, Coach Myers like, no way. No way. Damn. It take away, it also would have taken away too much time from off-season program and training and stuff like that. Maybe if I was a different position. All right, but hindsight's twenty twenty. If you can go back and do it, did you love baseball enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do it? Because I'm at Ohio State. Baseball was my thing, man. I, baseball was my first love. And I remember after we won a national championship game and had an opportunity to throw out the first pitch mm-hmm. with the Indians, and it was actually Buckeye night. It was Ohio State night. So they, uh, I threw the first pitch. Actually, who caught it for me was Nick Swisher, uh, a Buckeye great in Shout baseball. Shout out to Nick. Yeah. And um, long story short, so they had me in the bullpen and, and uh, below in the uh, – it had me in the bullpen, so I was just throwing, you know, when I was watching, mm. and I was cranking it. And I got it up, I got it up to ninety three. I haven't threw a baseball at this point since high school. Right, I got up to ninety three, and my coach, and my coach at the time, Coach Beck, Tim Beck, was like, "Okay, I'll shut it down." Because <laughs> the Indians, a couple of Indians coaches and scouts, they were, you know, they showing us around the facility. And right, they said, "Yeah, go in there, let me see what you got." I'm throwing it after about six, seven throws. I'm loose. Got up to ninety three. Coach Beck, like, uh, yeah, come on, get out bro, of there. You got <laughs> Shut like, it down. I mean, Shut it down. You got the arm. You got prototypical MLB size. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, shit. Man, if yeah. I had that ability, man, you better believe. <laughs> Coach Urban, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, but, man but I, I got to was... do what I got to do right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to pitch saver or reliever. Come man, on, that's man. it. That's it. That would have been yeah. dope as heck, too, yeah, man, to be able to be a part of that. But getting back to this game, man, matter of fact, we're going to pause on the game for a little bit because I want to talk about something – that's been out there and that people have been talking about. NFL, we know what's going on. We know what happens every single year. We know coaches get fired. 
like clockwork. Every year there's going to be at least three to four coaches that get fired. That's the craziest thing in the world to me, yeah. um, the revolving door when it comes to coaches and players, for that matter, yeah. at the next level. But there's been talk about none other than Urban Meyer getting one of these coaching jobs. And obviously when you got a coach like that, there's always going to be talk. There was talk about Coach Tress getting an NFL coaching job. Um, when he's not co- when he wasn't coaching college, there's talk about him coming back to college. Same thing with Urban Meyer. You're a hot name. You're one of the greatest to ever do it. You get, your name's going to be brought up. But I think this may have some traction to it. I could see a situation to where one of these teams comes in and offers Urban Meyer complete control over the program. And I think that's what it had to take. That's what it had to take for him to for him to either really consider it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing people got to understand about Coach Meyer, that he's a competitor. and He's one of the ultimate competitors, and he wants to compete. At anything, I said if he was a sales car, if he was a used uh, car salesman, he'd be competing. Right, and he'd love to do it. <laughs> Whatever he's doing, as long as he's competing, he's good. He's happy with it. And you think about him and his broadcasting career. What you know? What is the biggest battle right now going on with broadcast? ESPN and uh, Fox battling for for deals and mm-hmm. and uh, media and all this other stuff. And he's loving that, right? Because he's trying to get the best guys on his show while he's mm-hmm. trying to pull guys on his show. So whatever he wants to do, whatever he's doing, as long as he's competing, I'm pretty sure he's happy. But I think for him to take that next jump to the next level of an NFL coach, I think it would have to be like a Bill O'Brien situation where right. you, you hire him as a head coach and GM or, or you know, he has a – he goes to a situation where the GM and him is pretty much one mind and one guy right. where he can bring in his guys, where he can kind of run the program as he wanted to run it, well, the organization as he wanted to run it, and things like that. Yeah, man, that that would be a crazy deal. Um, but like I said, I can see it happening. Now, I, you would be able to best answer this than I because I haven't played for Urban – would he be able to kind of switch his style would be the biggest question. And what I mean style, we know how it is. When you're a college coach, you're used to having so much control. And obviously, if he's going to take a head coaching job, he's going to get so much control. But he's a grown man in the locker room. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How thing, different would that be? And One thing people got to understand about college coaches, for the most part, the major college coaching university, all these guys are pretty much the same people. Right. Because you got to coach off you, you somewhat coach off fear. Yeah. <laughs> fear of fear of I'm going to recruit past you mm-hmm. or fear of I'm going to bench you because I already got the next guy behind you. Uh, 100%. So you don't have that fear and pressure. You have it in a little bit. I mean, you can draft another guy, release a player, especially a player that's not getting paid as much as, you know, your top dogs. Mm-hmm. But the – You got the, top dogs at yeah, Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The level of communication, the level of um, – um, professionalism, mm-hmm. I think, will have to change in a way that you got to understand these are not just your players anymore. Right. These are your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's going to walk into a situation. I never, thought, I never heard. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Your coworkers now. For sure, because you walk into the situation where maybe 60% of the team is going to get paid more than you. Mm-hmm. So, and one thing people got to understand with NFL, that's why you see so many coaches being a revolving door because they get rid of coach before of a player. Yeah. So it's going to take that owner, that front office, to really believe in Coach Meyer to give him, you know, a significant deal and a significant amount of time to kind of turn something around because he's going to go into a situation, if so be, that's going to be a, a team that haven't won 10, 15 games in the last three, four years. Right. So a, a complete revamp of the organization. You know, he's going to go into one of those situations like um, like what Buffalo Bills did with uh, McDermott, mm-hmm. how, you know, they gave him a lot of, 
And when the first thing they did, they went to go get their GM, I think, from um, Carolina, which McDermott uh, coached under. He was a D.C. in Carolina, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And they brought them two together because they knew each other. They got the same mind. They got the same vision for the program. They got the same vision for what type of players they want mm-hmm. in the program and, and how they're going to get it done. So that's what you see when a coach get a new job. They go get their guys because – their guys, especially the guys experienced with these guys, are going to be extensions to, of them coaches right. throughout the locker room, throughout the program, you know, on and off the field. So it's going to take something like that of that magnitude to be uh, really enticing for Coach Meyer to walk away from a, already a competitive job with ESPN and having a lot of having a lot of time with his family and things like that to get back into coaching. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and then from the standpoint of you know going. We always talk about it. I mean, you always see these coaches and you, you always talk about, well, could he be successful at the next level? I think sometimes, more often than not, guys could be successful if you do put the ego aside and put the, the power trip yeah, aside. Yeah, yeah. But when you talk about, all right, hell, I don't have to recruit anymore. I can just focus on football and I don't have yeah. to call guys all yeah. hours of the night and I'm just in this meeting room and I'm – you know, everybody's here, and we're doing this, that, and the third. Yeah, it's all about ball. Certain football minds can really excel, and oh. Urban Meyer could certainly be one of them. For sure, I definitely think so. Now you don't have to worry about a kid going to class. Now you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about this kid going out there and uh, and doing stupid things on campus, on and off campus, right. or, or um, like you said, recruiting and going on trips, because you don't have to worry about the, the next phase of developing the, the facility, because you want to have the top facilities when the recruits come right. in. This is <laughs> right. your job. These guys are going to already want to be here. You're going, in the NFL, you got to push certain guys out the facility. And you know they just bare bones what you got. It ain't it ain't the all the Xboxes and the Playstations right. and, the, and the sliding boards around there. It's not <laughs> like that. Cause this is your job, and guys want to succeed at that. So um, when you can focus on all football twenty four seven, I think he can excel at that. All right, I'm gonna put yourself in a situation. Right, you got a chance <laughs> to be a coach in the league, and what's the highest paid coach in the league making? Maybe maybe nine ten million dollars. Probably so. And that's Pete Carroll. Probably so. Um, or you got a nice, sweet seat at Fox, and you got the potential to go out and get a Tony Romo deal because it's going well for him. It's going yeah. really well. But I you got I'm a chance to go get a Tony Romo deal. What's that? A $100 million deal. Pretty much. It's a million dollars a week. I'm taking the Romo deal. <laughs> I'm taking I, I am out of the stressfulness of getting guys in. Because as a coach, yeah, you, you can be a great coach, mm-hmm. but – how great of a coach are you going to be if you don't have the players to really buy into your program right. and things like that? Now you see all these questions. Last year, this time last year, would you ever question how great of a coach Belichick is? No. I wouldn't. But now you look at some of the media stuff. Now people, oh, was he really a good coach? <laughs> or was it the guys he had in there? Right. And it was only only. I don't want that pressure. Put only me one in. guy truly left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want that pressure. Put me in the box. <laughs> I call the game and I criticize and I take my million dollars a week and I can fly around the country, go to all these great games, the stadiums, and meet with players. I'll be the I'll be the broadcaster any day of the week over a coach. <laughs> what were you saying, Will? Oh, Belichick makes twelve million a year, and Pete. Yeah, Gruden did get a Gruden got a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say a lot of Gruden's was guaranteed too. Oh, for, all the coaches' money guaranteed. Oh, what do you want? Them? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm tripping. <laughs> all of their money yeah. guaranteed. All right, we're gonna take a quick raising canes break. We'll be right back. Go get you a snack because I am. I'll uh, see you in a second. If raising canes secret cane sauce was the end zone, no one would ever lose a game. Crispy crinkle cut fries, touchdown. Buttery Texas toast. 
Touchdown! Hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers? Touchdown! Freshly made tea and lemonade? Well, you get the point. Go for the win this game day with Canes. Raising Canes Chicken Fingers, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. One love. So we back with the questions segment, and uh, our first question is coming from Sam Britton underscore six. Um, since they are wearing the white jersey, do you think there will be a repeat of the 2014 Sugar Bowl when we played Alabama? Oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. Those uniforms, that jersey was sick. I loved it with that uh, kind of diamond check in the big – I was I was always a big fan of whatever patch or whatever bowl game you – I love the patches, right. right? That was pretty sweet. So um, I definitely think um, – I, I can guarantee you one thing. Coach, make those guys – in the facility are going to be showing highlights from the Sugar Bowl from mm-hmm. when we play. The uniforms, the atmosphere, how we're underdogs and things like that. So they're going to be showing them highlights, getting them guys ramped up. They're going to be talking about double comments, getting them guys ramped up. But I think the main thing they need to take away from that video and this upcoming week is the uniforms by far. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah, definitely one of my favorite uh, uniforms uh, just because it was a significant start for me. And uh, playing the Sugar Bowl was like none other. It was like a home game for Alabama, really. And uh, it was pretty sweet, though. Cheating, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was pretty sweet, though. I mean, I love that jersey. It's actually um, in my, at home framed. And um, it, it looks pretty good up on my wall right now. So, yes, repeat coming your way. See, I want to say, you know, that's more of a fan superstition. But, no, I mean. But look good, like, play good. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was fresh. <laughs> One of the questions that I have here is from Dom McGelvin. Oh, my phone just cut off. I think I'm pronouncing his name like. McElvin, McElvin six. Do you think Master T will see will see significant reps, or will they just you know rely on uh, a heavy Sermon. dose of Trey uh, Sermon? That's good. That's a good question, man. That's a real yeah. question because I'm of the belief that both of these guys have played well at times during the season. Uh, right now, the last two games, Trey Sermon's had the hot hand, looked very good. Yeah. But if T comes out, obviously I think you start Sermon, but if T comes out and gashes this team, what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, I think you ride the wave. Whoever got the high hand, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's still um, things that Teague do better than Sermon and vice versa. But Mm -hmm. I think you come out, like you said, riding the high hand and and the guy that's kind of been proven the last couple of weeks. Um, But it's going to be some situations, some tough tough yards that's going to be need to be gotten. And I think that's that's who we're going to turn to Teague. And um, Definitely in the pass game because Teague's still a uh, pretty good pass blocker. And, and maybe, I don't know, we'll see him get a couple of check downs and, and take the ball some ways. We'll see. Right, man. My hope is that um, – well, not even my hope, but I'll go back and i think about last game – or last time we played Clemson um, and J.K. went out. Teague had to come in. At that point, Teague hadn't shown, like, that wiggle that we needed. Yeah. So maybe the slashing running style of Trey Sermon – will be more effective. And when you go back and look at the games that uh, Clemson has had, you know, they've had running backs gash them being yeah. the slashers. I don't know about the bulldozing type uh, to just bowl them over, but, hell, whatever gets the job done. I know they're sure. both capable backs. And, you know, I, I think T is probably going to be chomping at the bit because of how things went last year. Not only with them losing a the game, but I know we heard a lot of rumblings of, oh, man, we would have won if we would have had J.K. Well, it was like, damn. Yeah, I'm a freshman I'm back. Here. I'm still here on this team. Um, and maybe I could have did a little bit more in that game, and now I want a ch- second chance to go out and prove it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and one thing I know about Teague and that, and that coach in that, um, that, that running back room, uh, Tony Alford, 
he believes a lot in T. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not, you know, just from being around Coach Alford, you know, the year I had him. And I love that dude, not, too. Bro. Yeah, good dude. Right. But he believes a lot in T. And I'm not going to share some of the comments that he mentioned about T as a freshman, mm -hmm. you know, or just being when he was recruiting him. But um, I, I don't see him not having a – I definitely see him having a, a a footprint in this game, some way, right. uh, form or or uh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, man, I'm. Uh, you don't just completely eliminate him, but one hundred percent. We talk so much about the quarterbacks. Um, our run game is going to be critical. It's going to be so critical for a number of reasons. You know, Clemson's offense can be a quick strike offense for sure. What better way to be able to stop that offense than just? Play clock management. Control the ball. That's something we can do. We're a quick strike offense, too, at times, but you know we can get in there and we can grind the football out. I think that's one of the areas that uh, Ryan Day and our offense ought to attack this football team. Let's not give them the ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember th thinking about that whole kind of playing offense and defense while you're on offense. It goes back to the 2014 National Championship game. We had a team like playing against Oregon, whatever the – they were averaging a, a play snap every 14 seconds. They was getting a playoff <laughs> on top of being one of the one or two top scoring offenses and by far the top fastest scoring offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the first possession, I think they went down the field and scored on us. But um, we played offense like that. We played defense by playing fundamentally sound ball control offense mm -hmm. the first half until we realized they should start dropping like flies. They just could keep up the pace that of us physically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we we played that ground and pound. You know, we was good with four or five yards here. Boom, boom, boom. Then a first down and stuff like that. As long as we are keeping the offense off the field. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a similar, not necessarily game plan, but similar style of play that we will see from our offense because we still have the ability with Olave back to hit you deep, to hit you quick. Right. So let's see. Man, another one of the players, though, that – I'm anticipating on having a big game, and I wanted him to have a, such a big season this year, but obviously we understand the circumstances. It's Fleming. Yeah. Fleming yeah. looked good in a Big Ten he championship did. game. Out did. the gate, he was one of the guys that Fields was going to. And I know, I think, I want to say he was like the top receiver in the country coming last out. year. Yeah, coming out, he was. We got a one, two, three. If he can, you know, pick up where he left off uh, in the Big Ten championship, continue to evolve within the offense, I think we could be very, very deadly. Um, from our trio of receivers. I mean, not just our trio. We got a, a plethora of receivers. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. But he's definitely one of the guys I'm excited about, not just this week, but to, to see the progression of his career because of how hungry he is this young and just having brief conversations with him and just talking about, you know, being in a room with those two top dogs mm -hmm. and just this is the first time he had to really take a step back. Right. So, like, not necessarily like, okay, let me let them take their ranks. Okay, what really makes them a top dog? I was just a top dog, mm -hmm. not just in my high school, but in the country last year. Right. Then I got to take the step back to really learn and, and, and progress behind these guys. Oh, man, he going to hit the ground rolling. Uh, no, he going to hit the ground rolling. You got to be hard there coaching the guys up. I mean, Oh, for sure. That, that is one of the things that I love about Ohio State. And just, I mean, you see that any program, but you don't always get to see guys buy in. Here at Ohio State, we've been going out getting four or five-star cats. Cats in the top three, top four of their position groups when they're coming out of high school. They're able to come here and take that backseat. Like, for me, we haven't seen a lot of him all year long. Yeah. You're able to come and humble yourself here, and obviously it's due in part to the guys you got in front of you, but it's due in part to the coaches getting you to buy into that. That's sure. an impressive thing for me, man, for to, sure. to see guys humble themselves and still be hungry. Yeah. yeah Sometimes the guys get out of it. Yeah, because how many guys you see these top recruits going to these programs, you know, these major programs, and thinking they're going to beat out a guy and, mm -hmm. and, and end up leaving? And you look at the um, 
you look at the uh, Alabama situation with two younger brother right. leave when they bring in another top recruit. Uh, I think his kid name was Bryce Young, who looked like he was going to be the next guy. They was thinking Bryce Young was going to start over Mac Brown or uh, right. Jones, <laughs> and freaking like look what's happening. Right, and um, I'm pretty sure uh, Bryce is down there going through some of the similar situations with you know having to take a step back to a potential Heisman Trophy winner, mm-hmm. and then just hit the ground rolling and try to piggyback on everything that you and saw that this guy done in a uh, previous year, year or two, and um, when it's your time to hit the ground rolling instead of. Not necessarily copping out, but you know, transferring. Right, yeah, man. That's it's always a tough deal, right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the. I personally love the rule with the transfer portal. Me too. I actually do too. It, it gives the guys too. an opportunity when things aren't going right. Okay, let me go get a fresh start. And I ain't for. Yeah. I, I never been one of those guys being like a quitter and leaving. But sometimes you got situations to where it makes sense to go ahead and get somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. Especially when a guy just a, a year older than you or the same class as, you know, because at that point you just you just necessarily going to play off injuries right. or god forbid something a bonehead off the field issue. Um so in the transfer protocol put power back in the play, and a, a little more power into the players hands because mm-hmm. you got guys who you got coaches who can up and leave. Right. And at any point one get fired and still get his whole paycheck. <laughs> You get a guy kicked off the team. Well, is he still receiving his education? Right. No. Or a coach take a, a bigger job or a better opportunity, like a Jimbo Frisher leaves a dumpster fire at Florida State, mm-hmm. which he created because those was your, your recruits. Right. And go to A&M and walk into a program that was already up and coming. Mm-hmm. It's just like, is that fair to the guys that you just promised setting these guys' living rooms and tell these parents how you're going to develop them to great young men and right. things like that? Is that fair to them? No, but you give a guy the transfer protocol uh, portal, now he can put the power back into his hands. Okay, well, hey, it ain't working out here for me. Guess what? I can leave. And now you don't have to deal with now your coaches when you. I think before when you want to transfer, they got they can release you only to right. certain teams <laughs> or certain conferences or divisions. Nah, give me back some of that power. So I love it. Actually. 100%. I love it. And I love it the fact that most of these guys got to graduate too. Yeah. So now you go ahead yeah. and graduate, and yeah. you're done with that part. Um, digging in some more on this game for a little bit, and we're gonna hit some other topics. Um, just overall standpoint, man. Overall concern level for this game. And I want to get, do you believe that we win this game? I, I do. I personally do because I think um, I think not just because of talent. I think not just because of scheme. I think because of definitely of how the game ended last year mm-hmm. and definitely all the build up to it this year with some of the comments Coach Sweeney has been saying. I can anticipate Coach Day not really bringing those up last week. But as you get closer and closer to the game, you want your guys, you want that emotion to be through the freaking roof. 100%. And I think that's going to be one of the things, one of the comments, one of the, one of the fuels to the fire that's going to get those guys jacked up. Like, oh, you think we, you know, we don't belong to be here? We're going to show you. Mm-hmm. So I think we go out here and win this game. I, I don't have a prediction of the score yet, <laughs> but I, I think we pull it off. Yeah, I, I think so too, man. I, I do think it's going to be tough. I do. I think our defense is going to have to play exceptionally well. We're going to have to get after the quarterback. But for all the things that you just said, I think that motivation factor is going to be there for Ohio State. I mean, Justin Fields came back for this. Yeah. This is what you come back to school for is an opportunity to to win a national championship. But when you know that that team that whooped you last year is sitting out there and you get a chance to dominate them and go out and prove yourself versus that squad, I mean, this is a chance to write the shit for not only you, but so many people that have come before you. I mean, we yeah. think about the other three times we played Clemson and didn't win. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, that's part of one of them. Yeah, that's part of one of them, a freshman year in the Orange Bowl. So yeah, man, so was it was 
You're part of one or two? One. The 31-0, I was gone. Oh, was you okay? <laughs> I was gone. I was gone. But it, it sucks, man, because I remember, you know, losing to a Michigan State and having to wait and couldn't wait to next year to, to play them, to kill them and things like mm-hmm. that. But when you have an opportunity, the same opportunity as last year to, that you pretty much, I won't say blew it, but you didn't capitalize on last year, beating the same team in the same situation, mm-hmm. the college football playoff, now you get the opportunity to do it the following year. Let alone, you know, because they're not in conference, so you never know when you get the chance to play these guys again. Right. That's the exact scenario. Exact same situation as last year. Like it's, these guys can take advantage of it because you never know when you have a, this opportunity again. At least you lose, you lose the conference team. Oh, we get you next year. Right. Not this. <laughs> hey, it's not. It's no guarantee. And then we gonna get a chance to see a duel. In my opinion, or my hope that, you know, is a long-standing duel that we'll see the National Football League. Justin Fields is a top draft pick and Trevor Lawrence is a top sure. draft pick. Sure. I mean, we're going to get a treat on Saturday. Man, I cannot wait for this game to transpire. But I do think we win. I do think it's a close game. I'm going to go ahead and give me a score. Man. I've got a score prediction, man. I think we're winning this thing 31-25. to 25. I got to know how you get 25. I, I got no clue how I get 25 <laughs> whatsoever. I just pulled it out. I got, of my, I got to know how you get I pulled it out of my canes, man. I thought he was going 24 25 it is. 31-25. I, I get it. Clemson go for a two-point conversion out of nowhere. They may be getting something. Right. Okay, I <laughs> got get a safety it. in here or something. Yeah, something. Okay. But yeah, I man. I, 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 I think that's what it's going to be. Man. That's where I'm marking down. 31-25 Ohio Check State. The odds, check wins. the odds of Vegas on that scoreline. Please, Will. Check the odds. Got to be a million to one. <laughs> yeah, but, man. Let's see. I, I think that's what it's going to be. But, you know, we got some guys in this game who – are going to be moving on to the next level. Justin Fields being one of them. Is Olave going to leave? Is he? He's eligible to leave, right, Will? Olave is a junior. So he's a guy that could be a first-round draft pick. Uh, Trey Sermon can come back, but I think he accepted an invitation to, like, the senior bowl, which doesn't matter. He could still yeah. decide to opt out and come back. Um, what's your thought on that situation, man? Do you think Olave <laughs> leaves and you think Sermon leaves? We know Justin's got to be out of here. I think the top office of players are going to leave because your quarterback is going to go, and then you're going to lose some top guys up front as well. I mean, I want to say it's a rebuilding phase for them because I kind of thought that when um, what the year Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins had 50 plus touchdowns because they always, you know, got the guys to replace the guys missing. But I think they have showed enough on the college football level. Um, as individual and as a team that has so much team success, if they win or if they don't win a national championship this year, that they're ready for the NFL. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Uh, I think when you it's here, it's no sense of coming back unless you can go all the way to the top. But I think yeah. most of those guys that are going to come out, but Trey Sermon, that's the only one yeah. that I can see like, bro, if you came back and you look, played a full season, yeah, I think he, yeah. And I want to see that selfishly too. I want to see what he can do. But I understand he's a running back. He's already put in his time at another university, but hell, man, watching him last week did nothing but want me want more. Sure. I want to see it some more. And, you know, just the ability to be able to take your draft stock from what? I don't know, fourth, fifth, maybe third at this point in time. And obviously, that's just what I'm saying. Yeah. That has no indication on what other teams think. But to, to shoot it through the roof and be a first-round pick because you got some crazy ability, Yeah, I want to see that, man. Yeah, I think, I think if that was the case he put out as – his draft bid to see if he's a you know a third day on guy he comes back. I mean look just like what J.K. did, mm-hmm. you know when he was I think 
still a late second or early third day guy and then you know came back to improve on that and became you know early second mm -hmm. you know he got this great so it worked out for him but i mean we're running backs like you said man it's just so much um it's so much uncertainty in that position because of the the, the ground and pound you take on your body right and that's so funny because another one of your boys who I became a huge fan of because of the way he carried his business and the, the risk he took about going back to school, Nick Chubbs. Yeah. The risk he – and then at Georgia, you know, the things that happened with him. He and tore up his knee twice in college. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and, um, yeah, when that happened to him and then the, the rise of Sonny Michelle and him kind of not, – not necessarily getting recruited past, but kind of getting rolled off mm -hmm. and then finally have an opportunity to – bounce back, I think it was his fifth or sixth year school, I can't remember, and then be a first round pick. Mm -hmm. You know, so it can it can it's a double edged sword. It's yeah. all about what's important to that kid and, and what you got on the table and what you got to prove. Yeah man, I I can't wait though, nonetheless. I love Nick Chubb by the way. That's, yeah, I, yeah, 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 get to get to beast. <laughs> just like a quiet, humble quiet assassin. Assassin, bro. Quiet assassin. He gonna come and bring that thunder. You already yeah. know what to expect with him. Never seen the facial expression on the guy. <laughs> right. Never. Um, real quick, man, before we get out of here, we got to talk to Dwayne Haskins and that situation, him being released. We talked a little bit about Dwayne last week. Um, and, you know, my thought is that obviously it was some immaturity there. Um, I, I hope and pray that this sends a message to Dwayne. Like, bro, you in the league, you a quarterback, you got to grow up, and I hope he gets another opportunity and he takes full advantage of the opportunity that he does get. But I hate to see it. But you could kind of see the writing on the wall in certain situations where you got a coach that drafted him, essentially, said he didn't want him. And, you know, Washington is a notorious place for – it's just bad for quarterbacks to get drafted in the first round. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he helped himself at all. Uh, I don't think as well. I mean, you know, like you said, you kind of see the writing on the wall in this situation, and it sucks. And I'm pretty sure Dwayne will get another opportunity out there. But I wish when he got drafted, I wish it was a healthy Alex Smith right. in that room. I you wish it was. A, I wish that. it was an Alex Smith there, twenty four seven. You know, but when he got into a situation, I mean, he still had a great role model and leader in their Case Kingdom. But when you go into a situation where you're forced to play right away as a young guy, you're forced not just to play, but forced to grow up right away. Yep. You're forced to learn on the run. You're forced to to learn by trial and error. Right. You don't know how to be a pro yet, mm -hmm. and that's one thing that I realized when I got drafted to Buffalo. You know, I had a great guy in there, Tyrod Taylor, but you know, it was, he was still young to being a starter. This is right. his second New year. To him starting mm -hmm. as a quarterback. So I'm trying to, you know, from a distance, watch how he go about his business. And you can still see that he's tweaking with his routine and how he go about things. But when I went to L.A. and I was in a room for two years with Phillip Rivers, made me feel like I never played football in my life. Right. Just because of his mindset. Him and Kellen Clemens, just because of their mindset, how they carried their business, how they did everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with football, nothing to do on the field. It just made me grow up in my mindset and kind of, take some of their routines and add it to mine and just just so I can think about what it done to my career and, and, and my mindset of playing a quarterback position night and day. Right. So I wish that he would have been in a situation like that. And not just him, but um pretty much all these young quarterbacks. You look at the two in New York, they getting their heads beat off. The only thing they not doing is just going out and doing, you know, uh some of the issues that Dwayne was having off the field. Um but yeah, you kinda see the writing on the wall when it when a coach when they get a new coach, mm. Ron Rivera and he brings in the guy he traded for the guy that he just drafted a year before in Carolina. Right. The same guy that he started over a healthy Cam Newton. <laughs> right. He started over a healthy league MVP prior three years prior. Mm -hmm. So you know how he feel about this guy. You should have saw that he you was on a short leash. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah, they gave you the, the start. Well, they didn't give you the start. You owned, the, you earned the starting job because you had more leeway because you've been there longer and things like that. But you should have realized it was a short lease because of not just your track record, right? Um, with whatever they were saying about you on and off the field, but what this guy just done. He just brought in his guy. Yes. You know, you know, you bring in your guys to play your guys. Yeah, you know, so crazy. It sucks to see that situation didn't pan out, but um, I think Rivera comments were saying it was he felt like it was in uh, both parties' best interest to move on, and um, I definitely think it was in Dwayne's best interest to, to get a fresh start somewhere else where, you know, away from home is going to force you to that's grow up. Thing too. You know, you never different. really get a chance to grow up when you go right back home. That's different. It's like going you, back you to mommy's nest. You may be living in a million dollar home, but you're still right there yeah. with the same people that you yeah, grew got up your, with. Got to get your comfort zone. Exactly. You got your comfort zone. So yeah. I, I think this opportunity, I think it's going to be eye opening for him for the next couple of days because you know he's going to see, and I'm pretty sure he saw the guys around the lead us still not performing as well or he probably was perform he got benched when he had the best after the best game he had his career <laughs> right which is crazy you know so it's not the talent right it's just maybe it's the preparation maybe it's the immaturity level maybe it's the trust but he going to see that i hope he got opportunity to see that these guys in new york and a couple of the guys around the league who's not having success as well was same class or younger than him but these teams are believing and trusting these guys right. preparation to develop because they don't have to worry about that when they go to sleep at night. Accountability, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, because I'm hopeful he gets another opportunity. He learns from it. That's all we can hope for. We know he got the talent to be a great quarterback in this league. Well, shout out to the Washington football team. And my boy, my fullback and running back. So, uh, why am I getting ready? Uh, the president is now. Why am I forgetting his name? Why did I just do that? Because Jay he's, Wright. Jason he's Wright. A, yeah, he's, yeah a, he's, he's the, he's the, he's the yeah. president yeah. of uh, the entire football operations, yeah. everything. There. Um, and then Tim Hightower, who's my son's godfather, just got the job with the Washington football team. I was giving calling the Redskins, so forgive me. The Washington football team as the president of alumni. Oh, there. nice. So, so super dope nice. for the Washington football team. And we all three were in the backfield together in Arizona. Yeah, so it was sweet. super dope situation, man. Happy for those guys. Uh, yeah, hopefully Justin gets back on track. Hopefully we dominate this Saturday and we are coming back next week talking about an Ohio State victory and how we're going to smash somebody in the national championship. That's a wrap on Beanie and Cardale. Cardale and Beanie brought to you by our lovely friend and family and everything Raising Canes. <laughs> go Bucks. Right. Have a good one.